love your haters. Not easy to do, is it? It's a lot easier to hate your haters than to love them. We're going to look at John chapter 15, then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. They've changed sides on me, haven't they? John chapter 15, 17 through 25. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not said sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now they have both seen and hated, both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, as written in the law, that hateth me without a cause. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful today to be able to be in this place. We're thankful for the good teaching that we've had in Sunday school. We're thankful, God, for the singing we've heard this morning. It's been a singing that has blessed our hearts. And I believe, God, it's, it's, uh, you've been approved it also. I just pray for a pastor today, Lord, that you touch his body. Help him to heal rapidly, we pray. We pray for others that are sick. Brother Don, Lord, we pray for him. We pray for those that are facing surgery and those that uh, may be facing other things that we know not about today. We just pray for them. Lord, give them strength, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 10, the Bible says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Now, look at that word falsely. You be sure it's falsely that they're accusing you for. Amen. Verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted are the prophets which are before you. As I read this scripture this week, I thought, what an astounding statement come from the lips of Jesus Christ. Why would Jesus associate the ultimate sense of happiness and joy with persecution? When we think of persecution, we don't think of joy. We don't think of happiness. But notice the word, uh, word that he used there was blessed. What he's doing, he's congratulating those that are persecuted. And I see, I think we've all been persecuted maybe a little bit. But I asked myself three questions as I, as I began to work on this message this week. I asked myself, why are the righteous persecuted? Why aren't they persecuted? Well... Uh, we know that they are because some of you have received persecution in various ways. I ask myself, have I ever truly been persecuted? If not, why not? Why haven't I been? And if so, then how did I respond to that persecution? Did I rejoice? Did it motivate me to do more for Jesus? Or did the devil get his way and did I uh, yield to the temptation to become discouraged and clam up in the future? Did I retaliate? Did I get resentful towards those that uh, maybe give me a little bit of persecution? This teaching about persecution is laced throughout all the Bible, to the Old Testament scripture, to the Gospels, throughout the epistles, and on into the book of Revelation. I'll give you a few scriptures. In Matthew chapter 10, and verse number 17, the Bible says, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And then in Matthew 24 and verse 9, 
The Bible says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 11 and 12, it talks about the persecution and affliction that Paul said he endured them. But out of them all the Lord delivered him. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen. It says all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Again, I ask myself, had I really been persecuted? Now, I've had some things said against me and things done against me. I remember one time I had a lady in the church where I pastored and her and her daughter come up and asked me if I'd visit uh, her husband. He was an evil man, a mean man, mean to his wife and mean to his children. And I said, yes, I would. I remember getting there that day, and when I walked up to the door, he recognized who I was. He came out the door, and I said, I greeted him and shook his hand. I said, I'd like to talk with you for a few minutes. He said, well, I'm getting ready to leave. He said, you better say what you have to say, but put down the car, because I get the car, I'm leaving. Well, the car was just <laughs> maybe 50 feet away, so I didn't get to say very much to him before he got to the car. And true to his word, he got the car, started up, rolled up the window, and away he went. Now, was I persecuted? We might say I was a little bit, but not like some people have been. Amen. And we're going to look at some of these things here this morning. And, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why do you want me to do, preach this for? I may be the least persecuted person in this church. Yeah. And maybe that's why he wants me to preach it. I don't know, but you pray for me as I do that, all right? In 1 John three thirteen, it says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, love those that hate you. Well, that's hard to do. Throughout the history of the church, there have been great persecution. It began with Christ and His sufferings, and then the disciples, they were persecuted in the early church there in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, from A.D. 100 to A.D. 300, there was ten great persecutions that went on against the church. Christians gathered off from all over the known world were thrown to the lions in the Colosseum. I haven't heard anybody in throw the lions, have you? I haven't heard that kind of persecution. Nero, Emperor Nero, had Christian wrapped in animal skins and smeared with a bloody scent so they would be attacked even more ferociously. I haven't heard that happening lately. And if that wasn't enough, he lit his garden at night with Christians wearing robes dipped in wax, and they were alive when they were set afar. The Fox's Book of Martyrs tells of those pulled apart on the rack, boiled in oil, flayed alive, roasted on a gridiron. I began to think about that. Uh, having a barbecue. How would you like to be the, the meat for the outdoor barbecue? And much more, two gruesome things to go into. If you've never read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's not an easy read. Right. I think it's a read that you ought to do if you can't get the opportunity. But it's not an easy thing to read because page after page after page after page talks about the Christian persecution from the beginning of time until uh, today. So Christians were forced to flee from the cathedrals to the catacombs in Rome to get away from the persecutions there. It's estimated 2 to 4 million people died there over a period of 300 years. During the Dark Ages, it's estimated 50 million Christians died for their faith. Many were killed for protesting the heresy of the Catholic Church during the Holy Wars and the Conquest. When the Communists seized China, about 1 million Christians were slaughtered. Yet the church houses are thriving today, even in the face of death if caught. And Bibles are still being confiscated there in China. Russian believer Richard Wormbrand is a good example of persecution under communism. This man was held underground in complete darkness for three years. They brainwashed him uh, with communist and anti-Christian propaganda as well as beaten, being beaten and tortured. He tells of being force-fed salt and they're given no water for hours at, at a time. And in a mockery of the Lord's Supper, God made him eat his own feces, saying, Tate, eat, this is my body. 
then they would do likewise with his urine as the blood of Christ. And sometimes the entire church bodies are attacked, burnt, or members slaughtered. Years ago, I'll tell you a true story here, when communism still held the Soviet Union in an iron clinch, a group of Christians met behind closed doors in underground service. It was a secret meeting, a secret church service. Suddenly, the doors burst open. Two soldiers appeared with submachine guns. They shouted and said this, to those who are willing to renounce Jesus Christ, you've got five minutes to leave. Everybody else who remains will be immediately shot. Well, a few people got up and left. As you imagine, every Christian in that place began to ask themselves, am I willing to die for Jesus here in just a few minutes? Am I, am I willing to be a sacrifice for Jesus Christ? Well, after everybody pretty much left, I was going to leave, one of the guards said once again, he said, he said, is there anybody else that wants to leave? And one man arose and went out. The soldiers locked the doors and turned to the people and they said this, Brothers and sisters, we too are Christians. We don't want to worship with anybody that's not being willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. And they said, if you talk about a church service, now they had one. Everybody in there stayed that were willing to die for Jesus Christ. I've asked myself, would I be willing to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Ask yourself that question today. The church historian, Tertullian, summarized it well when he wrote, The blood of the martyrs is the seat of the church. Persecution fans the blames and stokes our souls. Countless Christians today have died in the revolution of Africa in the last few decades with so much in Nigeria right now. It's happening in the Sudan, Syria, Pakistan, Egypt, Libya. Great persecution is underway. Thousands have been killed, many more tortured and threatened. Some people right now are being buried alive in the sun, in the desert, for the punishment of just being a Christian. But the winds of persecution are only found in the flames of revival. Today, the wild man, Ishmael, a.k.a. Islam, has led to the barbarous, uh, barbarian torture and killings of many more than the media will report on, and all because they are deemed to be infidels. That number includes many Jews and many Christians as well. This is persecution in severe form, but it comes in many other forms than just physical violence. Millions today in a hundred countries are imprisoned for their faith in Jesus Christ. Certainly, here in this station today, no one's being asked to die for Jesus Christ. But today, some are persecuted when they lose their job because they took their stand about something. We have people here probably this morning in this service that maybe have failed to get an advancement in their job, maybe a promotion, they failed to get it. Maybe they've endured sneering or jeering or whispering of others around them when they read their Bible at break time or lunchtime. Some are rejected by families for converting to Christianity. This happens all over the world. Some people are, are rejected by their families after they're called to preach and yield themselves to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The family forsakes them. I've known of preachers that uh, have been preaching and, and uh, been preaching for some time and their family has had absolutely nothing to do with them because of the ministry that they have. You will receive persecution when you're rejected by someone you witnessed or when a door slams in your face on a visit. We've got a lot of young people visiting people every week, and I'm sure some of them have had the doors shut in their face. Some of them may have been cursed out. That don't happen a lot in this area, but it does in some areas of the United States. What's important is not how you are persecuted, but how you respond to that persecution. How do you respond to it? Do you get mad about it? You know, if they curse you out, do you curse them out back? Well, if you do, then you've absolutely ruined your testimony. Amen. We see good people suffer. 
And we see that and we're tempted to doubt. When we see ourselves experience trial and persecution in our lives, we question God. Why do the righteous suffer while the wicked prosper? Why, 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 do, why does that happen? I don't have the answer for it, but I can tell you that's always been that way since the beginning, even until now. Think about it. Abel was righteous. Cain was wicked. Cain killed Abel. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was constantly dodging spears chucked at him by King Saul. Why is Daniel the pierced in the kingdom thrown into the lion's den? Because he prayed three times a day and would not quit praying. John the Baptist referred to as the best man ever born of woman, and yet the Bible says that they beheaded him. So why did these things have to happen? That's persecution. Persecution can even come at the hands of other Christians who slander you or attempt to be superior like the Pharisees. Once again, the Bible says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you take a stand against immorality, if you take a stand against abortion, if you take a stand against sodomy, if you take a stand against anything that's illegal or e uh, evil or uh, such as that, uh, you're laughed at, you're called out as being an uneducated, closed-minded bigot, and even worse. Now, I want to give you some reason this morning for our persecution. Why do they hate us? Well, the Bible says because, number one, we're different. John 15, 19 says, If you are of the world, the world would love his own. And because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And then in Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So they hate us, first of all, because we're different. Secondly, they hate us because of righteousness. As I think of the word righteous, I looked it up, and the definition means to divide. And we are the dividing line in the world today. Amen. You have some people probably in your family, maybe hopefully you're righteous in the eyes of God. Not in, I'm not talking about self-righteousness. I'm talking about being righteous in the eyes of God. I hope, yourself, I hope you're righteous in the eyes of God. But we ought to stand out. We ought to be a dividing line in the world today. We ought to stand out in this world like, the, like a flower in a garbage can. We ought to stand out in this world like a diamond in a coal mine. We're, we are reminders of them of their sin. John 15, 24 says, If I had not done among them a works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now they both have sinned and hated both me and my Father. Also, they hate us because of our devotion. Verse 21 says, For my name's sake. Matthew 5, verse 11 says the same thing. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, revile you and persecute you, and shall say manner, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Amen. So they hate us because of our devotion to Jesus Christ. It'd be all right to be devoted to Allah or Muhammad or anybody else, Harry Krishna, it'd be all right to be devoted to them, but not Jesus Christ. You can say any religions, religious leader's name but Jesus and not be persecuted. You begin to talk about Jesus and you'll be persecuted. Wasn't too long before I retired off the mail route. Uh, the postmaster we had there was a good, good lady and she had a brain tumor. And she was going in for surgery. And one day I was there just before she went to the hospital. And uh, God had talked to me when I was going there that morning to see more. Said, you need to have prayer with her. Well, that could be a dangerous thing. And so before I left out on the route, I just got everybody's attention. I said, some of you may not like this. If you don't, I'll send you a sympathy card. But I'm going to have prayer with this lady. I said, she's going in for brain surgery next week. And I got a hold of her and I held her hand. And I began to pray. And the tears began to flow from her eyes. And it was a quiet in there as a mouse. You could, if somebody dropped a letter, you couldn't have heard it. And I got done, and I went back to my station, finished my work, loaded my vehicle up, and began to leave. And she come out. 
She said, I want to thank you for what you did. She said, I took a lot of nerve. All, I, all it would have took was one complaint. I'd have been fired. And 25 years of working there would have been down the drain. Folks, I tell you what, we got to be able to receive persecution. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. God protected me there, and I praise God that He did. But we're devoted to Jesus Christ. How devoted are you? I'm just asking you. I've asked myself all these questions all week long. As I begin to study and begin to pray and begin to bring this message together, I said, Lord, why do you want me to preach it? I'm probably not near as devoted as a lot of people are. Maybe that's why He wants me to do it. I don't know. But notice, the world doesn't like Jesus. We know that, don't we? A lot of our political system doesn't like Jesus. I mean, they hate Him with a passion. They like a carniture of Him, somebody they've created in their own mind, but not the real Jesus. They hate Jesus, and so by association, they hate you and I. Okay? Jesus rips the cloak that covers our sin. They hate us because of our devotion, because of our dialogue. What's the message we carry to this world? The gospel of Jesus Christ. We have no other message than is mentioned here in the Word of God. The death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and His return. There's no other message that we have. Too many things Christians can do and receive no persecution. If a teller gives me too much money back after I pay them for something, why, that's okay. Yeah, I'm, a good, I'm a good guy to do that. They applaud that. If I help someone that needs help, they'll stand and cheer. You hand them a track and try to share the good news of the gospel, how their eternity could be changed, and you're suddenly a bad guy for pushing that stuff off on them. We've gone from the ridiculous, the, quote, separation of the church and state was not in the Constitution, to the truly ludicrous. Our response, don't drop to the level, but respond in kind. If they spit at you, they have sinned. But if you spit back, you sinned and burnt that bridge yeah. that you could ever go and preach to them and teach them the gospel. Matthew 5, 43-44. You have heard that been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies, that your haters. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which spitefully use you and persecute you. What's he saying? Let God handle your persecutors. Don't try to handle them yourself. Let God handle it. Matthew 5, verse 12. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is reward in heaven. For so persecute they the prophets which were before you. Why rejoice when persecuted? Well, well, number one, it means you're making a difference. Number two, it means you're earning rewards in heaven. And number three, it means you're in good company. Jesus was persecuted. The early disciples were persecuted. The early church was persecuted. People, Christians down through the ages, down through the years and the decades and the centuries have been persecuted for their stand with Jesus Christ. So have I as a Christian ever been persecuted? I've never been burned at the stake. You can tell that because I'm here. Okay? I've never been uh, the guy that I witnessed to or tried to witness to if I had time to do it. He pulled off. He didn't roll over me. He may have if I'd gotten his way. I don't know. But have I been persecuted? If not, why not? If I have been, how did I respond? Did I retaliate? Jesus said, rejoice. That doesn't sit with our flesh, does it? Somebody does something wrong to us. Somebody says something to us after we have mentioned Jesus to them. We want to retaliate. But he says, don't do it. He says, rejoice. Acts 5, 41. 
And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame for his name. Are you living a life that's faithful to the Lord? Are you living a life that's separated, showing a distinct, a distinct difference in Christ? And if we profess him as Lord, people need to be saved from their sins, you will suffer persecution. That's a promise. Romans 8, 18 is the blessing. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Jesus was rejected by most people, not all, but most. The Bible said he came to his own and they received him not. They rejected him. They did not praise him. The world won't praise you if you are like him. But not all will reject you. There are many who are looking for what is truly real. And hopefully they'll see it in you and I. Paul was persecuted often for telling people the truth, but that's what they deserve to know if their house is on fire or if they have cancer. I was talking to a man the other day. I told him that uh, tomorrow I'm going to another <laughs> doctor for my headache that I've had for five years. And uh, he said, do you think they'll find out anything? I said, I don't know. I said, I I've wondered all along. If they don't know something, they're not telling me. Yeah. I've been to five hospitals, doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, and I've heard nothing. I've taken, I don't know how many MRIs and x-rays and this and that and the other. Went to one of the best hospitals, uh, Mayo Brothers in, in Rochester, Minnesota. One of, the, one of the leading hospitals in the United States of America. I got to sit there 30 minutes or 40 minutes to talk to him. He said, I can't do anything to help you. I got up, walked out the door. Me and my brother and one of my sisters got in the car. Dale says, what do you want to do now? I said, we're going to go home. I said, I should stay there to begin with. Well, let me tell you something. If my house is on fire, please don't drive by there and say, well, look at that. Brother Danny's house is burning. Do something. Amen. Pull in there, honk the horn, get out and holler and shout. I got a dog that'll bark at you, but he won't bite or she won't bite. But I'm saying, let me know. If, if I've got a brain tumor in my head, let me know. Yeah. I can handle it. I, nothing I can't handle without Jesus. And I have him with me 24-7. Yeah. But if somebody has cancer, you need to know about it. So you make a decision on what to do about the cancer that you have. Then the ball's in our court and it's up to us to respond. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10 says, Therefore, Paul speaking, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. How would it be strong when he's weak? Through the Lord. Amen. Through the Lord. Matthew 5 also says, we're the light of the world. What does light do? It exposes darkness. We'll go in the house tonight after church, and it'll be dark in there. We'll turn the light on. It exposes the darkness. But also, the light attracts people to that light. I remember one time I got, I, as a kid, I did a lot of uh, coon hunting. Uh, probably too young to be out on my own, but one time I really got turned around and got lost. I guess I just walked in circles for probably hours. Finally I decided, you're walking in a circle and you need to walk straight. So I just took off through the woods. It wasn't too long I, began, I saw light. I had no idea whose light it was. It was a yard light. And the closer I got, I realized it was a yard light of my mom and dad where I lived. But I didn't recognize it. And I believe that a lot of times, you know, they're in darkness, folks. Amen. They need to see the light. Where are they going to see the light? Through you and I. Amen. 
And then the Bible also says, not only in Matthew 5, we're the light of the world, it says you're the salt of the earth. I used to have cattle. One thing I always check when I go feed the cattle and check them is if they had pink eye. That's always great. And what I'd do, I'd always carry some salt with me. And I'd feed them out on the ground. They'd all come around the feed. And I would kind of nonchalantly walk among the cows, got to the one that had the pink eye, and throw that salt in her eye. You better do it right the first time. You won't get the second chance. <laughs> you find that old cowboy, she has a fit. I mean, she begins to throw her head and knock other cows around. But you know, in a couple of days, that pink eye generally cleared up. So salt irritates. Sometimes it'll create a thirst for God. And then they will come to drink of the living water. Our missionaries tell me that their people feel sorry for American Christians whose idea of persecution is having the door slammed in their face on visitation or somebody laugh at them if they witness to them. Sometimes we feel like being persecuted, electricity goes off for an hour. Or, oh no, the internet goes down. But as we approach the end of the world, though we will not go through the tribulation, Jesus may declare that the shadow of things to come will fall upon us in a form of perilous times. And we in America will very well face extreme persecution of Christians in the future. After all, we're always spoken of in terms of divisive hate speech, terms like radical white wing, conservative fundamentalist, born again extremist. We need to ask ourselves, what if these soldiers burst in the doors of this right now? Would I stay or would I leave? If there was some people come through this door right now, this minute and said, if you want to live, you've got 10 minutes to get out of here. How many would get and run off? Would, would you run over somebody getting out the door? Or would we stay? We may someday have to face that decision. It may not be that long off. I didn't share about stories about the ones who did recant. Sadly, many stories exist. All too many believers have denied Christ under pressure. The Apostle, the Apostle Peter did three times on the crucifixion of Christ. Of course, he repented and later took his stand for many years before himself becoming a martyr, even faithful unto death. I'll be honest with you, preparing this message, like I said, I had to do some serious soul searching. I said, Lord, I feel so unworthy to preach this. Should this be a, a message the pastor would preach or, or somebody else that's really been persecuted? I hope I would be faithful in, a, in the face of torture. I really don't know where I would. I hope and pray that I would. I don't believe any of us can know what we would do for sure in that moment. But we hope we would not shame our Savior. Let me give you a strong indication what you can look for. How likely you are to stand for Jesus Christ in a time such as that. Are you living for Him now? Are you living for Him now? If you're living for Him now and the time comes and God requires you to die for Him, it's going to be a lot easier if you're living for Him now. Right. And I, I want to say this here. I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to be mean today. But if your faith won't bring you back to God's house Sunday night or Wednesday night, it's highly unlikely you'll be, He'll take you to the gas chamber if called upon. Yeah. A faith that doesn't bring words of witness to your lips in our land of free speech will not likely take you all the way to a burning stake to be a public testimony for Jesus Christ. If your faith can't get the 10% our Lord requires out of your pocket, I doubt if you would get to the chopping block for beheading. If your faith can't keep you away from worldly amusements or can't keep you from fleshly habits, it's not likely it would take you out to the lion's den. 
a faith that doesn't prompt you to obey in the smallest matters like Bible reading and prayer. And the brother Terry mentioned that in teaching today in Sunday school. It won't bring you before a firing squad. If you won't pray as you should, study the Word of God as you should, say, Brother Danny, when you do your study? I usually wake up sometime in the night because of my headache between midnight and 3 o'clock in the morning. And then I post a devotion at that time online on Facebook. And at that time, I begin to read the Bible. I feel like that's the time I need to spend with God. I'm awake already. Why not use it to spend some time with God, reading the Bible and praying. On Wednesday night, I write down the prayer request and I have it on my desk there where I study and I begin to pray. So I don't know when the best time for you. I'm not saying you need to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? The best time for you may be in the evening, early evening or maybe early morning. But somewhere you need to carve out some time to read the Word of God and to have time of prayer to our Heavenly Father. Because somewhere down the road, we're going to need extra strength. I really believe that with all my heart. If you don't live for Christ, how are you going to stand and die for Him? The Bible never tells us we're going to die for Christ. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. If we'll do that, it comes time for us to die for Him, we'll be able to do that. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So live for Him today. Live for Him today. Don't worry about, will I die for Him next month or next year or some other time. Live for Jesus Christ today. To get a chance, give that track out. To get a chance, witness to that person. If you have somebody on your heart, burden on your heart, pray for that individual. You can know for certain that you will not submit yourself to as a dying sacrifice if you're not living a living sacrifice right now. God, forgive us that have a half-hearted devotion to you in light of those who've gone before us. Lord, help us to live for you if necessary to die for you. Let's stand this morning, if you will.